everyone. Welcome to Original Versus Cover with DJ Crystal Clear. This is episode number 12. And um, <clears throat> it is the year 2020. We're in January, January 4th. Um, and uh, wow, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's New weird. Year's Day is very quiet, but you know, it That's remains... That's what you two said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. But... It kind of remains quiet for a few days after. Like, I still feel like it's... I still feel tired from New Year's Eve. Yes. I still, I still feel, feel like, tired from Christmas. Yeah. It was It was a lot. There was a lot going on. Speaking of you, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know how much I love you, too. I know how much you love you, too, yes. I fucking hate you, too. He hates you, too. But, and New Year's Day is a fucking great song. It's a great song. And I, quite often, on New Year's Day pull up that video and, and watch it. I couldn't find it this year. Oh, well, did you see what I posted? Because there are two versions of that. So there is the version that we all know from MTV. Right. That's them, you know, out in the wintertime with horses and it's freezing cold or whatnot. Yeah. But the version, because I looked it up too, and the version that I found is one that they did in a studio. Yeah, but that's just... Uh... It's, I don't remember that one from 1983, so fuck that it. one. <laughs> I don't remember it either, and I think that they like recently put it out because I've n- I'd never seen it before, and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, what the hell is this? It was yeah. very odd. No, I just remember on New Year's Day in 1983 when they played that video for the first time, time. on MTV. I saw it, Yep. and it's just, you know, yeah. that's the one I want to see, that's man. That's the one I want to see, I know. And traditionally, I would always change my, my outgoing message on my phone, or back then, my answering machine. To, uh, <laughs> to that. Your micro cassette. I would micro cassette, answering machine. Answering machine. Yeah. I would put the thing in front of the speaker and record it. Yeah, it was good. Are so, we, yeah. Are we are we live videoing this whole whole damn thing? Not the whole damn thing. Hello, Michael Mosley. How's it going? Most of it. You know, we'll get a little bit of it. Yes, that's the problem with vertical video. You can't really get everything yeah, in there. Yeah, it's weird. Hi, John Seckler. How's it going? Michael Mosley. They have a pretty... They have a song called Wire that's pretty cool. Really? You too? They have a song called Wire? That's crazy talk. Yeah. All right. So here we are, episode 12. Here is my first song. It's called Cactus. And the original was done by the Pixies in 1987 from their album Surfer Rosa, which was huge. And I avoided like the plague. I did not. I still really don't get the pixies pixies are wildly overrated. overrated wildly wildly overrated i what was so what because there were two chicks in the band yeah i don't know it's i always read about how they were so uh innovative and how they had their own sound and i listen to it and i go now this just sounds like a pretty standard 80s band, band? With, the, with the big 80s drum <laughs> yeah like, like what I, you know, oh, Black Francis, he's got a subversive name. Some well, you know, he's, he's kind of trying to do the Velvet Underground in his own way, you know, <sighs> right. but who wasn't at that yeah, time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, whatever, Pixies. Um, so the only reason I know about this song is from the cover, which was done by David Bowie in 2002 from the album called Heathen. Oh, shit. Which is, if you don't have that record, you have to get it immediately, Heathen. It is... One of the best, in my opinion, one of the best David Bowie albums ever. It was the return of Tony Visconti producing. To me, it's like Scary Monsters Part 2. It's so fucking good. And there are a bunch of covers on it, and this is one of them. So, the original is 2 minutes and 16 16 seconds of weird. I will, as always, totally cop to not really getting the Pixies. I don't think that they're great. I think they're wildly overrated despite trying repeatedly to get into them. And for some reason, they're one of these bands where my friends are like, Crystal, you don't like the Pixies? Oh my God, you should like the Pixies. But they're so... And I'm like, ah, no. Um, (laughs) Probably because so many people were wonking at me about them, you know. You should be, yeah, yeah. And I just like, whatever. So Once it it turns into should be, then... uh, Yeah. As it should be. As it should be, (laughs) exactly. Um, And this reminds me, the same people wonk the same shit at me about Sonic Youth. And we all know how I feel about Sonic Youth. Oh, man. Look at my eye roll. Oh, my God, Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth, yeah, also overrated. Wildly overrated. Um, So, anyway, this is a punkish alternative... Alternative rock band? Uh... 
that is pretty bare bones, this arrangement. It's guitar, drums, bass, a very basic beat. It's about a creepy dude sitting on a cement floor somewhere who's wishing for his long-distance girl to send him an item of clothing for him to wear to alleviate his loneliness, preferably a sweaty, blood-soaked dress from her. Black Francis's voice is whiny and nasal and creepy. <laughs> it is. Um, the song is interesting. I will give it that. The lyrics are very interesting. But they totally ripped off T-Rex in this song. Uh, where they chanted the letters to the band name, which spells out the band name because T-Rex did it in the Groover. And Kim Deal hated the idea, but Black Francis did it anyway. Because at one point they were like, P, I, no, 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 X. And it's just like, okay. Uh, so it was produced by the mighty, mighty Steve Albini, the angry dude who rails at the record industry every chance he can get. And rightfully so, I believe, in many cases. Sure. If you don't know who Steve Albini is, then you have to look him up, because I, anything you see from him, it, like, right out of the gate, he hates the record industry, but this guy's produced, like, eight million bands. Right, and, and that's made, where all his money came and from. And has made millions of dollars, so... Well, it's kind of like, uh, oh, what do you call it? Fucking Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Weren't they on Sony? Is, yeah. that, is that the machine you're raging yeah, against, you motherfuckers? Against. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Um, I could do an hour-long sidebar on Steve Albini that would last like three days. Um, so instead, I'll just tell you to Google him and be amazed at his righteousness and badassery to an extent. So the cover, I absolutely love this cover version. Uh, it's just glorious. So when I bought this record, this is the first time I ever heard Cactus, not knowing that it was a cover uh, or that it was a Pixie song. Uh, David singing this takes it very sexy version of creepy, and as I've already said, <laughs> well, the sexy version of it creepy. It is a sexy version of creepy. <laughs> like if he if he wanted my bloody sweat soaked dress, I'd give it to him. Black Francis, uh, not, not so, so much. much. <laughs> um, and like I said, it's scary monsters ish, so it fits right in. It's two minutes and fifty four seconds. It's more fleshed out, multi tracked backing vocals, thin and whiny, like Black Francis's. Uh, the acoustic guitar, their keys, electric guitars, bass, drums with some reverb. The song actually sounds produced as opposed to the Pixies version, which sounds like they did it in a garage. Which, you know, there's not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> um, but thank you, Tony Visconti, uh, for this genius. And it's a pretty faithful cover. The same basic arrangements. They even yell out David to mimic the T-Rex thing. Uh, so it was like, D-A-I, uh, which while listening to this, I was wondering why they did that, and the mystery was not solved until I heard the original. So I didn't know about Why that. they were chanting why David Bowie's name. Why they were chanting David Bowie's name, and then I heard the original, and I was like, oh yeah, T-Rex. So uh, we're going to listen to both of these, and then choose a winner. Oh shit. Yeah.
<laughs> you want to hear more? No, 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 no. <laughs> that'll, that'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> I say David Bowie wins, and we just heard why. Yep. And I say, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Bowie wins. Look, you know, yeah, and the song just has that sort of... I feel like there's about 18 Pixie songs that sound like that. Probably. But I would much rather hear Bowie, Bowie's voice, rather than fucking Bobcat Goldweight. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Bobcat Goldweight. That's good. Yeah, so. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> All right, that was song number one. Song number one. Who's watching? Hey, Alec Cumming. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Mary Chosel Colbert. <laughs> and I saw Michelle Arnold there. This is like Magic Mirror on... Um, what do you call it? Romper room. Romper room. Yeah, yeah. And I see blah 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 and blah blah blah. There's probably awesome. Pixies fans in there out there pulling their hair out. I know. Fuck you, Pixies fans. Hey Shane, how's it going? That's my cousin Shane Eubanks. Michael Mosley. Fuck yeah, David Bowie wins. <laughs> <laughs> hey Robin, how's it going there in Florida? Hey Grace, David Bowie always wins. That's right, Grace. I love Grace. All right, so song number two. Now this is a song that we have talked about before. We specifically, well, I brought it up in the last episode, episode 11. It's called Angel of the Morning. And you've talked about this on your podcast, too, right? I may have, uh, due to E.B. Sands, Sands being one of the yes, versions. Yeah, exactly. So I'll repeat it again. For those of you who have not listened to Paul's podcast, it's called As It Should Be, and it's on iTunes and Anchor and all that jazz. And uh, it's really good. He talks about all of his favorite songs from a particular year, favorite albums, and it is fantastic. So you got to check it out. Michael Mosley, Bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm equally as cantankerous and bitchy and opinionated in yeah, that one. Yes, super cantankerous. All right, so the song is called Angel of the Morning, the original, done by Evie Sands in 1967. It was a single only. What well, I, I d- now, didn't was it did, on didn't, an album? I, no, I didn't this feature in one of your episodes already? Haven't we already done Well, we, we mentioned it in the last episode. Oh, we didn't actually do a we segment on it. We didn't actually do it. a segment on it. No. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was talking about Chip Taylor in episode 11. Right. And all the shit that he did. Right, okay. So I've got, two, I've got three covers for this. I have Nina Simone in 1971, Juice Newton in 1981, and The Pretenders in 1994. Which, uh, yeah. So the original... I mentioned this in episode 11 when I was talking about Chip Taylor. So uh, it was in my brain. That's why I wrote this all down. So the song was composed in 1966 by Chip Taylor, who said, I wrote Angel of the Morning after hearing the Rolling Stones song Ruby Tuesday on the car radio while driving into New York City. I wanted to capture that song's kind of passion, which I find very interesting. I th- I, he probably wanted to cap- capture that song's kind of money-making, money-making potential. Yeah, I think it's probably more like <laughs> it. That's where his passion I don't was think, lying. I don't feel like Ruby Tuesday is passionate to me. She would never say. It's a great song. I, I really it's love really Ruby Tuesday, song. but I don't know if passion would be a word I would... Yeah, no, I agree. they sound kind of sleepy when they were doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Acid was taking hold, acid. man. <laughs> yes, a whole thing of acid. So, uh, 1967, Sands' version of the Chip Taylor pen song uh, got caught up in the Cameo Parkway record label business snafu. Do you know about that? Word up. So, despite the single being one of the most requested radio songs whenever it was played, and the initial 10,000 copies selling out, the label's pending bankruptcy aborted the record's potential success. A few months later... A then-unknown Lee Rush scored a top-ten single with the song. And we could talk all day about Evie's career. She was squashed like a bug from the jump from shady record label deals left and right. She was foiled by the Hollies. Um, can't let it go. Was lost amid the post-take-me chaos, leaving British invaders the Hollies to clear. And they got a hit cover of that song in 1966 in the spring, I Can't Let Go. Anyway, the song was originally offered to Connie Francis, but she turned it down because she felt it was too hot for her virginal image. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a line about a one-night stand, quote, if morning's echo says we've sinned, well, it was what I wanted now, which is very dirty. 
Very dirty for the 50s. Hey, Lori Wolfinger. Hey, Stephanie Swisher. So, uh, there you go. Too hot for Connie Francis. Now, this version opens with an acoustic guitar with her vocal coming in right behind it, with harmonic backing vocals, a marching band, rat-a-tat-tat drum feel. There are horns, bass, other guitars. The song is very stiff to me, and it lacks a heartbeat. Uh, Evie is from New York City and sounds it. You can hear her New York-sounding sort of... Brooklyn Goyle there. Yeah, total Brooklyn Goyle. Um, Even though I'm saying it in a Queen's accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that could be Brooklyn, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, neither, neither. yeah. So the first cover by Nina Simone, her version opens with a harp. But despite that, she stays with the basic arrangement, puts her soulful stink on it, because it was 1971, after all, complete with operatic backing vocals, pensive piano playing, and a full orchestra, which sounds kooky, but it works. The second cover by Juice Newton. I believe this is the most popular cover, and I don't know why. <laughs> because the lesser one usually is the most popular one. Yeah, um, this was a gigantic hit in 1981. It was on the radio every five fucking minutes. I don't care what station you listen to. It was on the radio. Country, R&B, I don't care. It was everywhere, blasting out of every car. You couldn't escape it. It was insane. It's the first version I ever heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, Jesus. Um, but other people covered this. Olivia Newton-John, Dusty Springfield, Bonnie Tyler, Skeeter Davis, Crystal Gale... This was from Juice Newton's third solo album called Juice. Her real name is Judy K. Newton. Judy K. Uh, it's a pretty faithful version. Uh, sticks to the original, but it went further with a full orchestral treatment. Her vocal to me is Dolly Parton-ish, and this has a very pronounced twangy country guitar. I guess this was the logical song to put out after her bubbly Queen of Hearts from the same album. The video for this song was the first country music video to air on MTV in 1981. Ooh. And the 40th video to air overall. Wow. Wait, so An Juice Newton, Angel of the Morning, was the fourth video to air on MTV? 40th. Oh, 40th. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Because Which every once crazy. in a while, the first hour or whatever of MTV ever will yeah. pop up on YouTube, and I've watched it, uh, and yeah, I don't remember seeing that, but... Yeah, it probably doesn't get that far in. Yeah, for I mean, f but even for it to be the fortieth, a country song. Right. Well, they were, they were pretty strapped for yeah. videos at that time. They had to because they couldn't they had play to do. any Michael Jackson videos. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they had yeah. to repeat Springsteen, right. Madonna, Juice Newton, who else? Rod Stewart, I guess. Um, you know. They're like, damn, we only have so many videos by have, white people. What are we going to do? We only have ten. What are we going to do? <laughs> Just keep playing them. Can't play Michael Jackson. Nope, no. Um, oh, yeah. So she was the third female solo artist to be on MTV on their first day after Pat Benatar and Carly Simon. Because Pat Benatar was played every five minutes, of right. course. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Pat Benatar was the second video, wasn't it? I, what after, you trying to do to my heart? After Radio... Yeah, wasn't that the second Video one? Video Kill the Radio Star, maybe? Second or third. Second or third, something yeah. like that. Um, all right, the Pretenders version. The song was performed live by Chrissy Hind in a 1995 episode of Friends titled The One with the Baby on the Bus. I did not watch Friends. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, and that version also appears in the show's soundtrack album, which is where this is from. Uh, as It was released as a single, but it did not chart at all. And it's Chrissy Hind with an orchestra and a rat-a-tat-tat drum behind her. Yawn! I thought it was pretty <laughs> boring. But that's just me. All right, so now we're going to listen. We're listening. Okay. There'll be no strings to bind your hands. Not if my love can't bind your heart.
Well, maybe the sun's light will be dim But it don't matter anyhow If morning echo says we've sinned Then it was what I wanted now I promise you I won't be blinded by the light Just call me angel Touch my cheek before you leave me, baby Just call me angel of the morning, morning Just touch my I say Nina Simone. Because she does her own thing with it? Because she does her own thing. She, that's the very definition of a good cover version. She took this song that, uh, you know, is very snappy-peppy and whatever, and she a harp opens it? Yeah. It's, it's wild. She did a really good version. Well, I'm partial to the Evie Sands version. Well, one, because I love Evie Sands, but also I just, you know, it's a good version. If I was going to choose the best cover... Nina Simone. Yeah. I do like the Evie Sands version. But if I'm, if I'm going to choose my favorite, regardless of cover or original, I'm probably going to go Evie. Evie. All right. So for those of us, for those of us, for those of you who don't know what's Kay. going on here. <clears throat> oh, God. Neither do we. Neither do we. Um, I'm recording episode 12 of my podcast called Original Versus Cover here in the awesome As It Should Be studios with my engineer, Dr. Paul Bertolino here. Working hard, sweating, you know, doing the do. So that's what we're watching. I just did, uh, that was the second song of this episode. Now we're going to do episode number three, or sorry, <laughs> song number three. But, but, but try to forget all this so you'll be surprised when it comes when up on the actual it. episode. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so here's song number three. It's called Rock and Roll. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. The original was done by Led Zeppelin from Led Zeppelin 4 in 1972. Everybody knows this song. If you don't know it, I don't know what planet you're from, because even they even know it in space. Didn't they put this song on one of those things they shot out there? I think. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? <coughs> Who cares? Uh, <laughs> and the cover I have was done by a band called Rasputina. Oh, shit. From their album Lost and Found in 2001. So the original... I don't think I need to describe this. I mean, you've heard it the third day of every week since 1972. 
and if not more. Your whole life, up until like an hour ago, it was on the radio. Um, it's on a Cadillac commercial. Oh shit! I didn't know that. For fuck's sake! Yeah. I was blissfully unaware. And that it came. That's at least I want to say ten years old. Um, it's one of the most popular three chord rock songs ever recorded. 170 beats per minute in the key of A. That ripped off the lead drum riff from Little Richard's "I Keep uh, Keep a Knockin." Hello. Ripped off Little Richard. This is why Little Richard is truly the architect of rock and roll. Don't get it twisted, people. Um, but this is one of a myriad of reasons why, uh, you know, he's not lying about that. Um, and there's also a Chuck Berry riff ripped off in this song. Well, <laughs> Led Zeppelin, it's an, um, yeah, it's a yeah. whole amalgamation of rip-offs <laughs> of other people's shit. Isn't it funny how white guys who wanted to sound like old black guys turned out this way? <laughs> I always find that fascinating. Um, so the cover... Now, this has been covered by Hart, Great White, Clarence Gatemouth Brown, Van Halen, Roger Daltrey, Jerry Lee Lewis, Peter Pan Speed Rock, Stevie Nicks, Vanilla Fudge, and Alvin and the Chipmunks. But my favorite is the one that I'm featuring here by Rasputina. This is from their self-released EP called The Lost and the Found in 2001. Rasputina is an electric cello-driven band who is into very Victoria-era, era, era, Victorian-era look and speak and language and kind of vibe. That's their steez. Like the upper crust. Like the upper crust. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they wear these gowns with heaving bosom and cello and long curly hair, the whole deal. Um, I used to see them at Fez, which for those old New Yorkers remember Fez. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but it was this amazing club that closed down a long time ago. Anyway, uh, the genre that this band is included in is cello rock and dark cabaret. Those are actual music genres. That, oh, that only they are categorized that as? only they are in. Yeah. Their record label is called Filthy Bonnet Records. Wow. Okay. These guys are like fucking rebels. I mean, they're into it, man. Yeah. These chicks are into it. Bohemians. Um, so the first time I saw them, oh, and they, uh, I saw them, they played at Brownies and CBGB's Gallery in the early 90s, between 92 and 97. And uh, I really liked them. I saw them like three or four times. So they opened with this cover the first time I saw them, and the crowd went insane, because at first we didn't know what was happening. And you'll hear why when we when I play this. Um, none of us had any idea that it was going to turn out to be a cover of rock and roll. Um, I was immediately expecting some Lanny Lovitch or Laurie Anderson thing or just some weird classical song I've never heard of or an ELO cover maybe, but I was super surprised. So we're going to listen and, uh, and then, you know, we'll make a decision.
That's a minute 11 we lasted there. So, what do you think, Paul? All hail Led Zeppelin. (laughs) But, nothing? You just know? You know... I don't know. It's a little sticky. It's it's a little you know the 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 voice is a little flat and kind of you know. <laughs> yeah, I I feel you. I totally feel you. But as far as my genre regarding a great cover song. Oh yeah, I mean if you want to go if you want to go that route, then yeah, they definitely do their own thing with amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's great. Who would think to do this all cello arrangement? First of all. The, right off the bat, you know? It's like, why don't we do it on kazoos? <laughs> it's crazy. <clears throat> so, um, I th- Rasputina wins because it's an amazing cover. No shade to Led Zeppelin and their thieving asses. But, uh, you know, Rasputina kicks ass here. And the bonus is, you can understand all the lyrics very clearly. Well, okay. Been a long time since I spoke of love. No, but the rest of it. Well, were... no, well, no. I'm uh, basically that is the first moment where I ever knew what that line was. I I always wondered what been a long time since I book of love. What does that mean? <laughs> That's where I stood with that line until just fucking just now. Just now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I never bothered to look it up. Well, there you have it. Been a long time since I book of love. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome, man. Mon- Mon- they helping. They're helping with the Mondegrins. The yes, Sandy. You saw them open for Marilyn Manson in the nineties. All right. Hello, Ronald near Clark. My goodness. Long, oh, wave. I think you waved at me. Hello, Paul Kane. Wow, Paul Kane. We're getting all the heavy hitters here today. This is awesome. All right. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in, I am recording episode 12. Hey, Margaret. Episode 12 of my podcast, Original Versus Cover. This lighting is... I look really bad here. This is terrible. There's, there's no such thing as good lighting there's in no here. There's no such thing as good lighting here. Um, with uh, my engineer, Dr. Paul Bertolino, we're here in the fabulous As It Should Be Studios. Hey, Camilla. And um, so we're about to go into song number four, which is called Please, Mr. Postman. There aren't any covers of that. And there aren't any covers of Please, Mr. Postman, especially none that you know and you've heard 89 million times. So the original was done by the Marvelettes, which was released as a single in 1961, because that's what they did back then, singles, you know, not a lot of records. And uh, the first cover, I got, I have two covers here? Yeah. So the first cover is by The Beatles, from their (laughs) album With The Beatles. Terrible Uh, album title. Terrible album title. Uh... 1963, so the mono version came out in, on November 22nd, 1963, and the stereo version came out on November 30th of 1963, because... They, they figured it out. They did, you know, they did their research and figured out what the best days of the week <laughs> were to release mono versus stereo, stereo. mixes. Why? What? Yeah, yeah okay. Um, and then, uh, oh, yes, and then the other cover I have is by The Carpenters, which was also a single in 1974. So, the original. It was the Marvelettes' debut single and the first Motown song to be number one on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. How about that? I did not know that. Uh, It was also a number one hit on the R&B chart. This is Motown. It's the Funk Brothers with Marvin Gaye on the drums. Marvin Gaye on the drums. I did not know that. Call and response vocals because that's what they do all the time. Uh, It's a very slow groove with a piano, bass, and guitar, very low in the mix. Hand claps. It's Motown. You know this. Everybody knows this. Uh, The first cover by the Beatles. So they follow the basic arrangement, but they just beetle it up. (laughs) (laughs) Ringly-dingly-doo. Ringly-dingly-doo. With loud drums on the left and John's vocal and background vocals on the right. Jingle, jangle, dingly, dangly, do, skiffle guitar. Uh, same tempo as the original. The main difference is the gender switch to a girlfriend, obviously. George Martin, it's the Beatles. Hello. I mean... It's, it's a Beatles version. It's, it's a, the Beatles version. Yeah. It's the early Beatles, Beatles version. And then the Carpenters cover. <laughs> to which I say, oy vey. Yeah, that was a big radio hit at the time. I am, yeah, man, Wow. 
So this is up-tempo, 70s, pop, sugar-tooth, cavity-inducing madness. <laughs> Complete with a 50s-sounding Barry Sachs solo and the bridge, of course. Uh, the only thing that, the, that could make this more cutesy would be if Karen was an orange tabby kitten and Richard was a golden <laughs> retriever puppy. Well, now, have you? There's, there's a great video for it, though, of them at Disneyland. Oh, Jesus. And it's actually worth seeing, especially in any of you, you know, California folks who oh, have yeah. memories of Disneyland in the 70s. It's great because you just watch it. It's like, oh, shit. This is Disneyland in the 70s, the way I remember it. Because we used, you know, I used oh, to go yeah. there all the time as a kid in the 70s. And it's right. just like, it's yeah. the Carpenters at Disneyland. Land. What the fuck more do you want? Yeah. If she was a little orange tabby kitten and he was a golden retriever puppy. At Disneyland. At Disneyland. That's the only way it could be any cuter. This is like the most cutesy poo thing Ever. Ever. So who do you think wins, Paul? Um, the Carpenters. The Carpenters. <laughs> no, actually, I'm kidding. No, it's it's. I, I have to go with the Beatles, and and simply because. I, well, I, I do really love that version. I mean, I don't think there's. I have to apologize for that fact, but I think the main reason why I would go with the Beatles is because that is from the earliest album that I ever was obsessed with. And I went as a little kid, I was three years old, listening to the Beatles' second album. That's one of the tracks on that album. And that just goes back to my earliest uh, uh, minutes of loving music. Yeah. You know? There so you go. It's just too deep in there, man. It's in your DNA, man. I can dig it. Uh, well... I, uh, yeah, the Marvelettes win, because you can't beat Motown. You can't beat Motown. That's only because Bowie didn't do it. That's only because Bowie didn't do it, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, ooh, yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, Sorry, Carpenters, you lose that one. By a mile. By a mile, by a country mile. Sorry. All right, song number five. This is a very popular song from back in the day when we were kids and uh you might you might be sick of hearing it quite frankly i kind of know i am uh it's called lean on me yeah oh man i love bill withers bill withers if you're if you're listening listening, and if you're watching us live on instagram right now bill withers fucking run for president i will vote for you but (laughs) but I'm pretty t- I'm pretty tired of that song. Don't yeah. use this as your campaign song. That's yeah. all I gotta say. Uh, so it's from his album Still Bill in 1972. And the cover I've chosen, even though this has been covered 89 million times, I chose a very ubiquitous cover uh, by Club Nouveau 
from their album called Life, Love, and Pain from 1986. All right, so for those of you who don't know the background, the original uh, by Bill Withers, it was his first and only number one single on both the Soul Singles and the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, Billboard ranked it as the number seven song of 1972, and it is ranked number 208 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. 208. Uh, numerous other versions have been recorded, and it's the only one of nine songs to have reached number one in the U.S. singles charts with versions recorded by two different artists, which I find I mean, really it's a great song, but it's yeah, really you just, yeah, you just get tired of it. Yeah, I mean, it's not as bad as Lovely Day, but, uh, I mean, as far as repetition is concerned, Lovely Day is a beautiful song. Um, several members of the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band were used for the recording session. A string section was also included. Uh, Withers' version is noted for its bridge section. Just call, just call on me, brother. You know that. <laughs> yes. As well as the coda, where the words call me are repeated a total of 14 times before the song ends on a cadenza on the strings. Several radio stations, as well as the single version fade out during the repeated coda due to time limits for commercials, you know, <laughs> as well as the repetition of the lyrics. And some radio versions cut the number of call me's to six times before the song ended. Which I was not... Gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. I don't have to explain anything else about that song. You know that song. Now, the cover... Oh, the cover. <laughs> so this R&B group, Club Nouveau... They took this song to number one for two weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 charts in 1987. It also reached number one on the dance charts and number two on the Black Singles charts. Black Singles. Kept out of the top spot by Jody Watley's Looking for a New Love. Oh, shit. How about that? Uh, it won a Grammy in 1987 for Bill Withers as uh, the writer and for Best R&B Song. So... A cover got him a Grammy. Yeah, not his own version. Not his own version. What the fuck? Hmm. Look at all these rumors. <laughs> I mean, every day. That was the other song from that uh, album, right? Uh, was that Club Nouveau? Please let me live my life. life. Yeah, I think yeah, so. It yeah, was them. Uh, this corny-ass version is known for the addition of the faux reggae refrain, We be jamming! We, we be, be jamming! Oh, fuck. So oh, God, terrible. I forgot about that. <laughs> You Which, know, that version's okay, but that shit... It's awful. Fuck that shit. And that was highly acclaimed as ingenious and revolutionary for 1987. That's how lame the 80s were. That's how... That's that something lame. like that is revolutionary? Revolutionary. Because they didn't bother to listen to any English beat or any two-tone <laughs> music. You know, <laughs> pop music people didn't listen to any of that awesome music from England. Um, horrible. We be Jamon. We be Jamon. And I'm guessing they picked the lead singer because he looked a little bit like Lionel Richie. A surefire, a sure way to get a hit. Right? Because it's not for his singing. I'm guessing because on posters and everything, oh, he looks like Lionel Richie. He must be able to. He does. He look. He could be Lionel Richie's brother. He looks a lot like him. Hmm. Um, a lot of people thought they'd go far, but they are forever a one-hit wonder and with a cover. They went far away. Far, far away. This song is ranked at number 94 in VH1's 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders of the 80s. But I really hate this because it's a wah, 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 wah. It's just terrible synths. And, oh, it's awful. So now we're going to listen to it. <laughs> Sometimes in our lives We all Thank you. 
called with the wah, 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 where it imitates the voice on the keyboard wah, 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 wah. irritating is that the word <laughs> it's irritating shitty i don't know shitty um obviously oh, but, but it's a it's a keyboard tone but it's it it's wah, 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 wah. it's actually it's somebody's voice you know how they can put a voice in it and then it it's on the keyboard yeah like it's yeah yeah it's just a sampled voice a sampled basically voice. yeah oh my god it's so bad wah, 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 wah. Casio keyboard. It's terrible. Um, so Bill Withers wins, obviously. Jesus Christ, in his sleep. In his sleep. I mean, what the fuck was that? And people loved that cover version. Right. Loved it. Well, it's one of those things where a lot of times Ooh. when covers like that come out, you have, you know, I was in high school when they came out, and I think a lot of the kids who were, who were, who would jam on, who would jam on to that song... Didn't, had probably never fucking heard the Billy, Bill Withers, Bill Withers. version. As I mean, I, some people, Reginald said he didn't know the Bill Withers version. Yeah, you know. Club Nouveau was the first one he heard. Yeah, you know, fucking, what, what's her name? Uh, uh, I think we're alone now. Tiffany. Tiffany, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? A lot right. of kids jamming into that, they'd never heard the Tommy James track. Yeah, exactly. Was, so. Oof, it's terrible. Terrible. And sidebar, listen to some two-tone music from the 80s from England. Listen to anybody from back then. English Beat, X-Ray Specs, uh, what the fuck? I mean, just Google Two-Tone and listen to it, because it's good stuff. All right, here's the last song of this episode, number 12. And it's, it's, a <laughs> <laughs> it's a song that I did not like when I was a kid, and now I love it. Woo! Yeah. Uh, it's called Sun, Sunshine Superman. Sunshine Superman. Sunshine Superman. Sunshine Superman. Huh? Superman. Wow. Pork the Shoop 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 song. Yes. <laughs> Sunshine Superman. And the original was done by Donovan from the album Donovan in 1966. And uh, oh, from, the, from, from the album <clears throat> Sunshine Superman. From the, Yes, from the album Sunshine Superman. Why do I have Donovan here? I forget. Uh, yeah, 1966. And I have two covers. The first cover by Melba Moore from her album Peach Melba <laughs> <laughs> in 1975. Every Negro I knew had that record. You couldn't, you could not own that. Melba Moore. Love Melba Moore. She's fucking awesome. And then uh, the second cover I have is by Husker Du. Oh, shit. From their album Everything Falls Apart that came out in 1983. <laughs> I suspect that's where that song falls apart. Uh, yeah, you'd be right. So, the original, Donovan. Super trippy song. Uh, I think that this is the song that coined the term slash genre psychedelia for music. That's, I, that's what I feel. I mean, it's 1966. It was like right in the thick of things. So it's a groovy combination of psychedelic... Psychedelic folk, psychedelic pop, folk, and folk rock music all together in this song, I think. It's got a harpsichord. It has an acoustic guitar army. There's trippy electric guitar, kooky lyrics, lyrics that talk about blowing your mind. And it features Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, I didn't know that they played on this. All the, the, the number one way to know that it's psychedelic is to make reference to your mind, mind. in the lyrics. Yeah. D- 
dude. Your mind. Open up your mind. Fuck. Open up your doors of perception in your mind. Fuck. Drop dude. acid, man. Okay, okay, dude. I can't take it anymore. Oh my god, my mind. Um. Yeah. Oh boy. So this reminded me. One of my junior high school teachers was really into sixties music, and turned me on to this album. And it must have been like nineteen seventy six or seventy seven, probably maybe seventy seven. Uh, when I first, he gave me the record. And when I first played it, I must have played this song like a hundred times in a row. Like, I think I literally wore the grooves deep into the record on this one. This is when you got into it or when you didn't like it? No, that's when I got into it. Like, okay. when I was younger and heard it on the radio, I would turn it off because it oh, okay. freaked me out. Um, yeah. I played it so much that it would skip. Like, it couldn't make it to the next song because it was just stuck in that song. It would just skip and repeat. Um... 60s perfection, quintessential 60s perfection. Yeah, and Donovan is the original Bell and Sebastian. Hello. Yes, all rolled into one. <laughs> all <laughs> he's he's Bell and he's and Sebastian. Sebastian. Yes. Uh, the first cover by Melba Moore, Love You Girl. This is a super funky jam that is automatically psychedelic and trippy, thanks to the instrumentation here. There are guitars with wah-wah pedals, syncopated drums, Hammond B3, other sounds, a horn section who obviously studied James Brown, harmonic backing vocals, Melba is very slinky and sexy. It reminds me of LaBelle doing Moonshadow, in a way. Hmm. And then there's Husker Du. They did some weird covers, Husker Du. Keeping you guessing at all times. You know, the Mary Tyler Moore theme. What was the other? Uh, three Miles High. I did that in a previous or, episode. Oh, Eight Miles High? Eight Miles High. Three Miles High. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eight Miles High. Yeah. Um, and now this. So it's a punk rock rave up that sounds like they recorded it on a four track in their garage. It follows the basic arrangement, but it is made up of loud and crunchy guitars and bass with very sloppy drums. Thank you, Black Baby Jesus. It only lasts for a minute and 51 seconds. <laughs> That is it. So now we're going to listen to Sunshine Superman and then come back and make a decision. Sunshine came softly through my window today. Could have tripped out easy, but I've changed my way. So, so wait, when when was that version recorded? That was eighty three. Eighty three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that may be where that fucking god awful uh, trend began, where people, uh, bands like that, doing 
clever hardcore covers of an unlikely song. song yeah. And it's like, okay, got it. We get it, yeah. Um, you know, oh, Mandy, what you can, what you get, what that taking. He's like, okay. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it got is. Got it. It's that aggro thing. Yeah, but, yeah. So, I say the winner, the winners are uh, Donovan and Melba Moore. I love the original, and Melba Moore's cover is fantastic. I love it. I'm 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 Donovan all day every <laughs> day, all but day, I know. I, that's the honestly, it's the only one I'd ever heard before. So there's that, but there's a lot of good stuff about the Melba Moore one. But I can't escape the uh, the kids' course from Sesame Street yeah. action in there, yeah. which kind of makes it difficult to take seriously. <laughs> it takes but, you out of it but a musically, bit. it's good. Musically, it's good. I think if she had just you know, maybe two harmonic BVs or something for that chorus, it would have been great. Like, I yeah. I totally, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, I do have to, you know, I always got to tip my hat to the kind of action, but you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Jeff Sloan, and Reginald Saffold, you are correct. Timex Social Club did rumors. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you, Reginald. All right, so that is it. That's episode number 12. Please stay tuned for episode number 13, because we always two-fist it here at... To the very end. As it should be studios. So thank you for listening, everybody. And those of you on Facebook Live, thank you for watching. Hi, Sally Lynch. Hey, Kelly. Yay. Grace, Husker don't. (laughs) (laughs) I, I agree. We agree, Grace. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, you know, these will be up within a week or two or something, um, somewhere around there, because we don't have 85 rehearsals for two shows coming up in the next two weeks like we did for Christmas. Although our, our next F-bomb is going to be Journey and oh, yeah. Foreigner. Journey and Foreigner. Which rightfully should be 85 rehearsals to that get that sh- shit right. Yeah, but it's going to be crazy. But it won't be. Yeah, those of you who are here in New York City and who have not come, um, hey, Rick. Oh, thank you, Rick. You're awesome, too. Uh, we are involved in this musical, uh, what is it, collective? Thing. Thing, uh, where we do tribute shows the last Saturday of every single month. That's right, including August and December, at Arlene's Grocery in the Lower East Side, 95 Stanton Street. This is a scene that was started by a one Super Morgan, Morgan Liebman, and Mike Sauce. Mike Mangan. Mangan? Mangan. 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 Manigan. Mangan. I always say Manigan for some reason. And Craig Mann. I don't know Craig's last name off the top of my head. Man, evidently. He's, just, he's Craig Mann. That's it. Uh, started this uh, thing in, at the Delancey 13 years ago, 15,000 years ago. And so we in December, we did our regular show at the end of the month, which was Pink Floyd. I produced a set. Tommy Von Voigt produced a set. It was fucking great, and you missed it, but look for, out for videos. Um, and, then, uh, and then we did New Year's Eve, which was four sets. A 50s, 60s, a 70s, a 80s, a 90s set of music, and it was just fucking ridiculous. So this month we're doing Foreigner and Journey. So anybody who's into those bands, you should definitely come to this show. It's going to be like a, like a versus, almost. Kind of like a versus, and you can come and watch a bunch of singers attempt attempt to actually fucking do justice to two of the greatest rock and pop singers of all time. time yeah, because everybody loves Journey until you're asked to sing it. Then nobody <laughs> loves Journey. I still have two songs I need to fill. That nobody's taken. Don't stop believing yet. I, I, no, nobody's taken that yet. What do I have empty? I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. So, yeah. So, if you can sing like Steve Perry, please contact me immediately. <laughs> and I also need a keyboard player. I'm still, I'm holding out for one guy. I'm waiting for him. I got to call him after I leave here. But, yeah. So, it's going to be good. Foreigner versus Journey, in effect. So, that's it. I'm DJ Crystal Clear here with Original versus Cover. My engineer, Dr. Paul Bertolino here at the world-famous As It Should Be Studios. Please listen to his podcast called As It Should Be. His latest was the best from the year of his birth, which was... 1969! That's right. And um, I guess that's it. So, 
Happy motoring, everybody. See you later. Bye. Thank you.